Section twelve of Young Folks Treasury Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Young Folks Treasury Volume two, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Section twelve: The Gift of the Dwarfs. Thor was, you may know, the strongest and noblest of the great giants of the north. He was tall in stature and had fiery brown eyes from which the light flashed like lightning while his long red beard waved through the sky as he drove in his goat-drawn chariot brilliant sparks flew from the hoofs and teeth of the two goats while a crown of bright stars shone above thor's head when he was angered the wheels of his chariot rumbled and crashed the passage through the air until men trembled and hid telling each other that thor had gone to battle with the rhyme giants or other of his enemies now thor's wife was named zip and she was most beautiful to look upon her soft browny gold hair was so long and thick that it would cover her from the crown of her head to her little feet and her deep brown eyes looked into the faces of her friends as those of a mother look into the face of her child loki the mischief-maker among the giants often looked at zip and longed to do her some evil for he was jealous thinking that it was not right that she should be praised and loved by every one go where he would he could find no one who did not speak well of her it happened one day when the summer was nearly gone that loki found zip alone and sleeping on a bank near the river so he drew his knife and creeping softly nearer and nearer cut off her beautiful flowing hair quite close to her head then he joyfully rushed away and strewed it far and wide over the whole earth so that it became no longer living and golden but faded and turned a dull colour as the winds blew it about and the rain beat upon it and crushed it in between the rocks and stones when zip awoke and was about to push her hair from her face she felt that something was wrong wonderingly she ran to the water and looked at her reflection in the clear depths saw that nothing but a short stubble stood up all over her head all her lovely hair was gone only one would have dared to treat her so badly and in her grief and anger she called upon thor to come to her aid loki had of course fled and was hiding far away in another country among the rocks when he heard the distant rumblings of thunder and tried to shrink deeper into the crevices between the great stones but the awful sound grew louder and at last the angry flash from thor's eyes darted to the very spot where the mischievous one lay then thor pulled him out and shook him from side to side in his enormous hands and would have crushed his bones upon the hard rocks had not loki in great terror asked what good his death would do for it certainly would not bring zip's hair back then thor set the mischief-maker on his feet though still keeping a tight hold on him and asked what he would do to repair the evil which he had done loki promptly answered that he would go down into the mountains to the dwarfs and get ewald's son to make some golden hair for zip as good as that which he had destroyed now ewald had had seven sons and these all lived deep below the earth in the great caverns which lie below the mountains and these sons were small and dark they did not like the daylight for they were dwarfs who could see best without the sun to dazzle their eyes they knew where gold and silver grew and they could tell where to find beautiful shining stones which were red and white and yellow and green they knew the way all over the world by running through caverns and passages under the mountains and wherever they could find precious stones or metals they built a furnace and made an anvil and hammer and bellows and everything that was wanted in the smithy for they knew how to fashion the most wonderful things from gold and iron and stone and they had knowledge which made them more powerful than the people who lived above the ground thor let the mischief-maker go to get the help of the dwarfs to repair the wrong which he had done and loki sought about 
the mountainside until he found a hole which would lead him into Ewald's cave, and then he promptly dropped into it. There in a dark cave, gleaming with many sparkling lights, he went to the two cleverest dwarfs, who were named Sindri and Brock, and told them what he was he wanted, adding that he would be in sore trouble with Thor if they couldn't help him. Now Sindri and Brock knew all about Loki perfectly well. They knew all about his mischievous ways and the evil he so often wrought. But as they liked Thor and Sip, they were willing to give the help which was asked of them. Thus, without more ado, for these dwarfs never wasted their words, Sindri and Brock began their work. Huge blocks of earth-brown stone were cast into the furnace until they were in a white heat, when drop by drop red gold trickled from them into the ashes. This was all gathered together, and a glistening heap taken to the dwarf women, who, crushing it in their hands before it had hardened, drew it out upon their wheels and spun it into fine, soft hair. While they were doing this, Brock sought amongst his treasures until he found the blue of the ocean and the tough inner pith of an underground tree. These, with other things, were cast into the furnace and afterwards beaten with his hammer. As the rhythmic strokes fell, the women sang a song which was like the voice of a strong, steady wind. Then, when this work was finished, the smith drew forth a little ship which was carefully placed on one side. The third time the dwarf went to a dark corner and brought out an ugly bent bar of iron, and this, with two feathers from the wings of the wind, was heated to melting whiteness and wrought with great cunning and extreme care it was to be a spear for odin himself the greatest of all the heroes then brock and sindri called loki to them and giving him these three things bade him hasten back to the gods of asgard and appease their wrath loki however was already beginning to feel sorry that he had been so successful he liked teasing folk but he did not like having to atone for his mischief afterwards he turned the marvellous gifts over scornfully in his hands and said that he did not see anything very wonderful in them then, looking at Sindri, he added, However, Brock has hammered them very skilfully, and I will wager my head that you could not make anything better. Now, the bread of dwarfs had not by any means expected gratitude, but neither had they expected any such rudeness as this, so Sindri determined to give Loki a lesson. Going to one corner of the smithy, he picked up a pigskin and, taking the hammer in his hands, told his brother to blow steadily, neither to falter nor to fail until he passed the word that the work was done. Then with strength and gentleness he wrought with his tools, having cast nothing into the heat but the pigskin. With mighty blows and delicate touches he brought thickness and substance into it until a board looked at him from the flames. Loki, fearing for his head, changed himself into an enormous forest fly and settling upon Brock's hand, stung with vicious fury. But the dwarf would not trouble to brush the fly away and steadily moved the bells until his brother called him to stop, when they drew forth a strong flexible boar whose bristles were of the finest gold. Then, without saying anything or paying any attention to the spiteful words which Loki kept uttering, Sindri chose from a heap of gold the most solid lump he could find and flung it into the white flames. Thrice it was heated and cooled, and the dark elf turned it and worked it with wonderful skill, and in the glow Loki saw a broad red ring which seemed to live and move. Again he tried to spoil the work as a fly and bit deeply into Brock's neck but brock would not so much as raise his hand to rid him of the pain when the ring was finally laid cool so marvellously had it been wrought that from it each ninth night would fall eight rings as beautiful as itself now came the last test of sindra's cunning he cast into the furnace a piece of fine iron and told brock his hand must neither tremble nor stay or the whole of the work would be useless then with wild songs of strength upon his lips he hammered and tapped until those who were in the cave 
felt that they were out among the roaring waves they could hear the ice mountains grind and crash to pieces and the thunder of thor's chariot wheels rushing through the heavens a frenzied horror seized upon loki's mind if these wretched dwarfs were going to make anything to add to thor's strength he knew that it would be his own ruin so changing himself to a hornet he sprang upon the forehead of brock and dug so fiercely into his eyelids that the blood trickled down and blinded him then the dwarf let go of the bellows for one moment to clear his eyes and sindri cried out that what lay in the furnace came near to being spoiled and with that he took a red-hot hammer up with his tongues it was neither pretty nor particularly large while the handle was an inch too short because of loki's spite then brock and loki set out for asgard loki carrying the three wonderful things which had been given to him while brock carried the three marvels which sindri had so cunningly wrought and accompanied the mischief-maker that the gods might judge who had won the wager so rashly offered by loki when he reached asgard the gods seated themselves on the high seats agreeing among themselves that odin thor and frey should be judges in this case first loki offered to odin the spear gungnar which was so wonderfully made that it never failed to hit the thing at which it was thrown and it always sped back to the hand which had thrown it later when odin carried this spear in battle if he shook it over his enemies they became so frightened that they all wanted to run away but if he shook it over his friends they were so filled with courage that they could not be conquered then thor received the hair and when it was placed upon sib's head it grew to her like living tresses curling and waving in the wind to frey the ship was given and though it was so small that it could be folded and carried in his pocket when it was placed upon the waves it would grow large enough to hold an army of warriors with all the war gear besides as soon as the sails were hoisted the wind would blow it whithersoever it was desired that the ship should go brock then made his offerings and to odin he gave the ring drapnir which had been made with such magic skill that every ninth night eight other rings dropped off it though no one could see how they came this the greatest of the gods ever wore upon his arm until the death of his beautiful son baldur when as token of his great love he placed it upon the dead youth's breast as he lay on his funeral pyre to frey was given a golden boar which would run faster than any horse over the sea or through the air and wherever it went there it would be light because the bristles shone so brightly to thor brock gave the dull-looking hammer saying that whatever he struck with it would be destroyed that no blow could be hard enough to hurt it that if he threw it it would return to him so that he could never lose it and that as he wished so would its size be yet there was one fault about it and that was that the handle was an inch too short it was a great joy that thor took this treasure knowing that in it he had something to help him in fighting the evil rime giants who were always trying to get the whole world for themselves until driven back by him then the gods decided that of all the gifts the hammer was the best and that therefore loki had lost his wager and must lose his head loki offered to give all sorts of things to save himself but the dwarf would not listen to any of them catch me then cried the mischievous one but when brock stretched his hand upon him loki had gone for he wore shoes which would carry him over the sea or through the air catch him cried the ugly little dwarf piteously to thor and in an instant loki stood before them trembling in thor's strong grasp then the clever one argued that it was his head only which had been weighted and that not one little tiny bit of his neck might be taken or the dwarf would have more than his bargain at this brock cried impatiently that the head of a wicked person was of no use to him all that he wanted was to stop loki's tongue so that he could work less evil and he took a knife and thread and tried to pierce holes in loki's lips 
but loki bewitched the knives so that it would not cut if only i had sindri's all sighed the dwarf and instantly his brother's all was in his hand swiftly it pierced the lips of the mischief-maker and swiftly brock sewed them together and broke off the thread at the end of the sewing then the gods gave presents for the dwarfs in return for their wonderful things and brock returned to his cave as for loki it was not long before he loosed his lips and returned to his mischief-making End of The Gift of the Dwarfs Recording by Julian Niedermeyer